0: I claim on earth what's coming from heaven to be here any day. Oh, I can taste His promise that is coming my way. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Growing in God's Word podcast with Dr. Jim and Joy McInnes. Our purpose is to bring to you encouraging teachings that will help you grow in your understanding of the Word of God. Yes, and that's what we have to do. It's Jim here again. I'm again by myself because joy is packing. We're getting ready to move to the Philippines really soon. And I just wanted to share something I, I had shared in a Bible study a couple of weeks ago. And I'm going to do it much shorter here. But I think it's a very important lesson from Acts 24, verse 25. And here we have Paul before the Roman court where Felix was the uh, presiding uh, court uh, officer, and he says now he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. Felix was afraid and answered, Go for now. When I find a convenient time, I'll call for you. I want to talk about a convenient time. Now the background was is that uh, Paul had been uh, hauled before the court, and he went to a Roman court. And in his defense, he said, uh, "I confess to you," he says, uh, verse fourteen, "that according to the way." Now, in early Christianity, six times in this book uh, is called the way and he's talking about the way. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, the life. And it's just a synonym for Christians, which was used more later. And he said, I believe in the law and the prophets. I believe the word of God. I believe what's written because they all testify as we see about Jesus Christ. Now, after he talked to Felix, what was the result? But when Felix heard these things, having more an accurate knowledge of the way, he adjourned the proceedings and said, When Lysia the commander comes down, I will make a decision on your case. So he commanded the centurion to keep Paul and let him have liberty and told him not to forbid any of his friends to provide for or visit him. Well a little background's probably what's needed here uh for Felix uh, the bible tells us not much about him but history tells us a lot we know through history many many different places that Felix had been a slave he was given freedom by emperor claudius because that was his uh a boyhood friend, uh, that that Felix was a slave of his mother, Antonia, and so uh, both Felix and his brother Claudius, they were, uh, were slaves of Claudius, both his brother Pallas were released. And because they were favorites of Claudius being friends, he gave them a position. And it's very unusual in Roman standards to take a former slave and put him into an office like this. But he gave himself a new name, Felix, which means happy, prosperous. Well, I guess he thought now things were going to be happy and prosperous. He has a place of authority in the ear of, of, the, of the Caesar. But the Roman historian Tactus tells us that Felix was cruel, licentious, and base. Quote, he was a master of cruelty and lust to exercise the power of a king with the spirit of a slave. History tells us he was brutal. He wasn't hesit—he wouldn't hesitate to call a group of assassins that would eliminate anyone who opposed him. This was not really a good guy. And he was in charge. And then came Drusilla, his wife. Because he says in verse 24, After some days when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul. Now he's sending for Paul again. Who was Drusilla, well, it's interesting that, uh, Drusilla was actually the second wife he had that was called Drusilla. A former wife was actually the granddaughter of Anthony and Cleopatra. And, uh, Drusilla, she was very beautiful. And so he tricked her away from her husband by sending a Jew, a Cyprian Jew called Atomas to- a that pretended to be a magician and said, oh, you have to leave and marry Felix. It was all a lie. It was all uh, just to trick her, and she followed the dark arts, and so she believed it. We never follow the dark arts. We follow the light, Jesus Christ. So now Paul comes before this pair. Now, I want you to know, no matter how bad you are, no matter what has been your past, these two were characters, God still reaches out in his mercy. And so Paul, instead of talking like he did other places, what was his message to them? Verse 25, now as he reasoned about, here's the three things, righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come. First, he says you have to deal with righteousness. We have to deal with yesterday's sin. There was a book in 1973 by Dr. Karl Meininger that said whenever it became a sin, Nowadays, we, we don't talk of sin. All we say is we make mistakes. We have weaknesses, uh, inherited tendencies, faults. Uh, uh, we, we are no longer sinful, is what we say. We're just immature, underprivileged, or frightened. But the Bible talks about sin. Literally, missing, it means a military word. If you take a bow, you miss the mark. What was the mark? The mark was, as we discover, the righteousness of God. We've missed it. We've gone our own way. And Paul was saying that of righteousness. Yet the good news is that when God convicts us of our unrighteousness, he has provided for our righteousness by Jesus who died on the cross for us. So Paul reasoned with Felix and Versilla about the nature of righteousness. They were far from righteous. They were not liked, even by the people their own household, their slaves, their servants, their companions. But God was reaching out to them on this day. I'm sure Paul, we don't have the whole sermon, I'm sure he repeated Second Corinthians 5.17 in a way, saying, Felix, drusilla you can have a new beginning. You can become righteousness in Christ. Then he gets to his second point, which has to do with today's temptations. Now, if you have past problems, Jesus if we come to him, he's faithful and just. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, nine. So the second point's about today, self-control. Felix and Drusilla were prime illustrations of lack of self-control. Like I said, he had, she had divorced her husband to become Felix's third wife. Even though she was a Jewish, she lived far from the, the, the commands of God. Self-control was something they knew little about. The Bible says in Proverbs 25 verse 28, A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. You don't have self-control. It's like the walls are broken down in your life. A great example is the famous Frederick Nietzsche. He's an example. He was a German philosopher and had they say that Wikipedia would tell you he exerted a profound influence in modern intellectual history. Well, that's not someone to do that. The goal of his life was, quote, freeing higher human beings from their false consciousness about morality, their false belief that this morality is good for them. In other words, there's no self-control. There's no sense of morality. So he taught 130 years ago. He began teaching God is dead. Well, how did that go for him? He dies at 44 years old, insane. He'd been put in a couple mental institutes. He was infected with syphilis from going to prostitutes uh, early in his life. And now he says God's not dead. There's no consequences and he reaped, the Bible says, you know, that we reap the consequence of our sin. But praise God that God offers a way for forgiveness for us. And self-control is, for us who know Christ is something important too. Galatians 5.23, the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Well, we need that because uh, we need it because we have our flesh wanting to go its own way. We need that self-control. The third point was the judgment to come. You know, we must do something about tomorrow's judgment today. Why is that? Because Hebrews 9.27 says, And as it is appointed for man once to die, but after this the judgment... That sounds really harsh and dister. The judgment, well, there's actually two judgments. One is the judgment seat of Christ, where you will get rewards. It's judging a Christian's work. But then there's the judgment seat, where we're judged for sin. And we're not judged for our sin because Christ has forgiven it. But he says appointed unto men once to die, die once after that, this judgment. There's no dying two, three times. It's not like, like believe a lady I met who believes she'd come back as a wolf for anything. No. When you die, it's over and then it's the judgment seat. But the very next work, Word gives us all the hope. Yes, it's appointed unto man once to die. But, verse 28, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time, apart from sin, for salvation. In other words, the first time he came, he came to deal with sin. Next time he comes, he's taken us home. We're going to receive all that that salvation embodies to live with him forever. Isn't that great? Now, we get, we get to the point here, we have to understand, like in Acts seventeen thirty one, 31, uh, Paul spoke to the Greek philo- philosophers. He said, because he has appointed a day which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man who he had or has ordained, that's Jesus. He has given assurance of this by raising him from the dead. Now, Jesus Christ will either be your savior and rewarder or your judge. How do we know that, that Jesus is the judge? Because he's given us insurance of this by raising him from the dead. Who has been raised from the dead? Jesus. Now, what was the result of this amazing sermon? Three point. It says Felix was afraid. The Greek word here. It's trembled in the King James and many other translations. It actually a word for earthquake. It, it's translated, uh, another place as an earthquake. He was literally shaking. Uh, some, most translations say Felix became terrified. Uh, what's shaking you have to do with terrified? In modern English, we would say he was shaken to the core. He's, the Holy Spirit obviously was working in him working in him because he realized that there was a judgment. the years realized there was consequences and he was afraid because he obviously lacked righteousness. He's sitting next to a woman he had lured away from her husband. He lacked self-control. But instead of repenting, instead of saying, yes, I've done wrong, I come to Jesus, verse 25, Felix was afraid and answered, go away now. When I have a more convenient time, I'll call for you. A more convenient time. Second Corinthians 6.2 says, For God says, At just the right time I heard you, on the day of salvation I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. I know so many people that say, I'm gonna, if you don't know Jesus, and you're listening to this today, and you're obviously interested, or you wouldn't be listening, and you say, yes, I believe in God, yes, I believe things, but I, I'm not going to give my heart to Jesus until I get older. I'm not going to give my heart to Jesus right now at a more convenient time. It's inconvenient right now. This is really a problem, because we don't know if we have tomorrow. Later, we say, I was just reading today about a young man who had not gone to church hardly at all. He happened to go to church. He found Jesus. Praise God for that. On the way home, he had his church clothes on, and he was up on a porch, and there was a fight that broke out, Uh, and somebody uh shot at uh this girl's father that was there, and he jumped in front of his girlfriend to protect her, and he was killed just hours after he found Jesus. What if he hadn't come to Jesus? We don't know it's tomorrow. Now, the country in the world, according to, uh, I believe it's Chicago Herald, uh, the country that has the strongest belief in God, I'm not talking about gods, uh, plural, false gods, but the God, uh, uh the Christian God, is the Philippines, my new adopted home, where I'm moving hopefully within the next two, three weeks or four weeks, to Davao. I love Davao. Do you realize in the Philippines it says that ninety-four percent of those surveyed said they always had believed in God? Do you believe that ninety four percent of Philippines is born again, has been converted? No. But they say I believe in God. America says eighty one percent. Do we believe of all those who are born again? No. You see, it's not just believing there is a God. We need to respond to his message. Felix and Drusilla maybe believe there was a God, that's why he was shaking, but we need to respond. James two, verse nineteen has a very striking verse. It says you believe there's one God. You do well. Even the demons believe. And tremble. You know that according to the National Association of Evangelicals, 63% of individuals become a Christian between 4 and 14, with the median age of 11. 34% between 15 to 29. According to that study, 97% of people become a Christian before 30. Another one that they did here in America, Registered that it said that uh, that eight, was it eighty no ninety I got this right here in front of me ninety two seven percent of people come to Jesus before the age of twenty one and I know there's many statistics on it but that's giving us kind of like what it is and what am I saying there. That so many that have fall within that class up to maybe 20, 21 have said, no, I'm going to put it off. I'm going to, I'm going to find Jesus later. Uh, I'll do it at a better time. The Bible says indeed today, 2 Corinthians 6, 2, today is the day of salvation. If you're listening to this, this is a convenient time. But why is it that when people get over 20, 30, uh, they can still find God? But the statistics is very low. Why? Because Hebrews 3.15 says that we should find God today if you hear his voice. Do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. You see, when if God is speaking to you, if you're listening to this today, and we're going to get to the Christians listening in a second, important message, but if you're listening today and you do not know if you died right now that you would enter eternity and see Jesus uh, as your savior instead of your judge, you're not certain you belong to him. And you say, I'm going to put that off. I listened to this with Pastor Jim. I'm going to put it off. But what happens is we harden our heart. The first time you hear the message, you may tremble. The second time you hear the message, you, you think, and maybe you won't sleep. And it gets easier and easier. And we the Bible says that we harden our heart through the deceitfulness of sin. You see? So if God has been speaking to you to come to him, to be find him, to be converted, do it now. Do not put it off. There's an old story about a meeting in hell. It's obviously not a real story, but a meeting in hell. And Satan called his four leading demons together, commanded them to think up a new lie that would trap more souls. I have it, said one demon. I'll go to earth and tell people there is no God. That'll never work, said Satan. People can look around and see there's a God. I'll go to them and tell them there's no heaven, suggested the second demon. But Satan rejected that idea. Everybody knows there's life after death and they want to go to heaven. Let's tell them there's no hell, said the third demon. No, said Satan. The conscience tells them there's sin. They'll be judged. We need a better lie. And the fourth demon spoke, says, I got a great one. I'll go to earth and tell them there's no hurry. Well, that's what happens. There's no hurry. Procrastination is the thief of souls. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher from 1800, 1800s said, It is foolish to trust in a convenient time to repent and believe. Thou sayest another time, how knowest thou that thou wilt ever feel again as thou feelest now? This morning perhaps a voice is saying in your heart, prepare to meet your God. Tomorrow that voice will be hushed. That's not because God stopped speaking, it's because our hearts got harder. You understand? Now the second one, and I have to get going, uh, is for us that know Jesus Christ. That we need to learn when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, when God speaks to us, when God puts something on our heart, when God deals with things in our life, we say, oh, I'll deal with it later. No, deal with it now. When God begins saying to you, uh, you need... I'm sorry, hit the mic here. When God begins saying to you, uh, deal with that bad habit. Well, later, I got too much stress right now. If God tells you to give to the kingdom... Later, when I have more finances, things go better. than I will. Uh, God says, "I want you to help in the church. I want you to 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 help and build up the kingdom." Uh, I I I'll do it when I have more time. It's it's always putting off, and we get in trouble putting it off for a more convenient time. That's. That's our problem. When God is dealing, there was a girl I prayed for. Uh, we were we were meeting in Northport in in Florida, at the uh, scout house, and this lady who ran the scout house would listen to our meetings, and she came up with this pack of cigarettes, and she says, uh, "Pastor, pray for me, that I could stop smoking." I said, "Sure." So I prayed for her and I said, I'm buying this nicotine in Jesus name. I prayed for her to be free from that habit. Obviously that that's a combination. God helps us, but we have to, we have to take steps. I said, and God is helping you now. and your step is now throw away those cigarettes in your pocket. And she turned kind of white and she says, why? I said, well, you wanted God to set you free, right? Right. Well, take a step of faith now. Throw away your cigarettes. And she turned to me and said, well, that prayer was for next week. (laughs) Next week, I'll stop. Uh, How many listening kind of know that when I came back next week and the week after and the week after, she still was smoking. And what God had convicted her, because the reason God convicted her and not smoked because it wasn't good for her body. God, God cares about what we eat, what we do with our body. And uh, we say one of these days we put it off, that ends up never happening. Well, anyway, back to our story. Meanwhile, Felix now he hoped also the money would come. he He said, therefore, he sent for him often and, and conversed with him. But notice he didn't shake. He's been hardening his heart. But after two years, Porcius Festus succeeded Felix, and Felix, wanting to do the Jews a favor, left Paul bound. Now, here the Felix's mind had been enlightened. His emotions had been stirred, but he would not yield. And part of it also was he wanted worldly gain. Now, very interesting of what happened to Felix and Drusilla. They said that they wanted to, uh, wait for a more convenient time. Neither got a more convenient time. History tells us those two years later when he was called back to Rome is replaced because out in Caesarea the Greeks and Jews had, had fought and the Greeks emerged Merged victorious, and Felix vented his frustration on the Jews ordering the Greeks to go through the city, uh, killing the men, raping the women, and plundering their possessions. When Caesar heard about this, he was furious. He caught, sent for Felix, and the rest of his life, short life, was in disgrace. He was exiled, humiliated, and committed suicide. I believe he, he, he was exiled to modern-day France. What happened to Drusilla? Well, two years after this event, again, that's the Bible tells us two years after, it was right after she went to Europe on a shopping spree. And when Mount Vesuvius exploded, she was caught in the lava of the volcano, died at the age of 21. I know, I was kind of joking, and told my wife, see, there's the danger of shopping. Well, the serious side of it is, is this woman thought later, And yet, a short time later, two years, she was going to meet God. Don't say tomorrow. Don't put off tomorrow what God has put in your heart today. If you don't know Jesus Christ today, do not put it off right now. Like I did one day, I got on the knees beside my bed. There's no perfect prayer. You just open your heart and say, Lord, forgive me my sins. I've done wrong. That's the righteousness. And I receive your righteousness. I receive your forgiveness. And I ask you to come into my heart, come into my life. And it's not just praying that you also say, okay, from this day, I want to live for you. See, repentance has to do with changing. God will help you change, but you need to take a step. And for those of you that know Jesus Christ today, when the Holy Spirit calls you, says, I want you to go speak to that person. Oh, I'll wait till I, I'm no more Bible verses. I'll wait until I, <clears throat> I can do it better. I know a girl in Liverpool, England. She had trouble. I talked to her many times. There was one week I was going to talk again for some reason when we get together, and that week she committed suicide. Oh, I wish I had just pushed through for more and more time. Uh, just pushed through, and, and Calder did more. When the Holy Spirit speaks to you, do not wait. Do not delay. See, Lord, here am I. Here am I. Well, I hope you got something out of this today. And I appreciate that we have this chance to share with you. And uh, soon, hopefully, we'll be sharing more. And especially now, when we move to Davao, we have more time. But for now, I pray God bless you. And don't put off what God puts in your heart to do today. For more information, you can look us up at our website at www.growingingodsword.com or you can also check us out on Facebook by just writing, GrowingInGodsWord.com. Father, come and fill me up, let your Spirit come. Rain down in my life, flood me with your love. I claim on earth what's coming from heaven, to be here any day. Oh, I can taste His promise. Life is coming my way